When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Thriller Thursdays, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. The Casebook of Justice and Dixon, The Case of the Just Desserts, Part 2. The name is Justice. Jack Justice. I enjoy a drink as much as the next man, sometimes more. I am no one's idea of a connoisseur, and I mostly cannot tell a fine wine from a bottle of something brewed behind a radiator, but it has been suggested that too much experience with the latter has abused my poor palate past the point of appreciating the former, and that's as may be. I like a quick drink, a quiet drink, a late drink, or an early drink. I don't advocate excess, but I'm not fanatically opposed to it either. All in all, as with most subjects, I am no one's idea of a role model, and zero people should emulate my behavior for any reason, even if it is only mildly reprehensible. All of which is by way of saying that unless you are very new to these ribald little tales of adventure, you know perfectly well that I am not above the occasional day drink, and that the idea of settling a bellyful of corned beef hash with a bourbon or two was not what set my teeth on edge about Sabian's plan, if it could be called that with a straight face. The girl detective was also uncharacteristically quiet, and I suppose that it was the prospect of walking with Sabian into a room filled with people who had openly discussed killing him quite recently that gave her pause. As we followed the good lieutenant's car along 8th Street towards the welcoming arms of O'Hanrahan's and the Delaney mob therein, I discovered that she had other concerns. "'You don't think he's serious, do you?' she asked at last. There was only one member of our party who befit the third-person singular pronoun, and I briefly assumed that I knew what we were talking about. If he's not going to O'Hanrahan's, he's putting on a heck of an act, I opined. Not that idiot, she scowled. I mean, you don't think he'd actually retire, do you? I shrugged. Bound to happen one of these days. He's not wrong, the bump in the pension isn't little. And it isn't dumb to take it as soon as it's official, rather than wait for them to bust him back down the minute he cheeses off the brass again. I guess we should be happy for him, she said, sounding unconvinced. I guess, I shrugged, wondering if there was going to be parking on Clinton or if I should just put in up ahead and hoof it. Does it make me a bad person that I keep wondering where this leaves you and me, she asked. I wouldn't worry about it, I said, coaxing the car into a space that was probably almost big enough. You were already a bad person long before you did that. It's probably true, she said, swinging the door open, but you still shouldn't say it. We caught up to Sabian and fell into lockstep behind him, like we were his very own hired goons. Nobody should climb the stairs at O'Hanrahan's without at least a couple of hired goons. It was like a fashion statement. There was nobody on the door. It had been a long time since anyone pretended O'Hanrahan's was a legitimate business of any kind, and basic self-preservation kept people out. Most people. Besides, it was half past one on a weekday. Who would be stupid enough to open the door and walk in? We opened the door and walked in. I would say that the room fell silent as we walked in, but honestly I think it was pretty quiet to begin with. 
maybe six or seven guys total, mostly sitting alone, waiting to be needed. There were three men laughing at the bar, but that stopped in a hurry. The skinny one with the hungry look in his eyes was named Dom, and I had never known what that was short for. He was a mid-level functionary at best, and never really rude until he had permission to be. He had taken a poke at me once, but I had been asking for it, and if there were any hard feelings on the subject, I was unaware of them. He had eyes for Trixie, but he was a married man, and understood the house rules in that regard. The other two men were thicker and duller, with less than a half a neck between them. Their cheeks had a ruddy glow that said the whiskey in their glasses was not their first of the afternoon. They were dirty cops right out of central casting. Their smiles melted the instant recognition set in. Sabian's grin, on the other hand, grew more wolfish by the moment. Benny Stanton, he said to the first one. Kind of a long way from the 5-5. Stanton looked stricken for a moment, then calculated his advantage and found it good. You too, Lieutenant, he said, not knowing or caring that his reply made no sense at all. And who's your little school chum? Sabian lampooned. Is that Driscoll? What a surprise, finding you here. Driscoll belched quietly as he formulated a reply, and looked embarrassed enough by it to suggest he hadn't intended it as an editorial comment. Sabian, he said at last, barely above a whisper. They say you're a man on the move, Sabian, Stanton sneered. Up, up, up. That's what they say. Is that right? Sabian was leading with his chin, almost daring somebody to take a pop at him. I wondered what would happen to them if they did. A lot of people say a lot of things, Benny. A lot of things. Question is, whether anybody has the stones to back them up. What do you say to that? Benny Stanton licked his lips and looked around the room. No one looked him in the eye, and it was clear that he had nothing more to say on the subject. He looked away and tried to find a dignified way to lean on the bar that was just a little bit too far away. I looked at Sabian. If he had a plan at all, it involved pushing Stanton and Driscoll until they made a move, and this seemed like neither the time nor the place. Dom, I said with a nod. The hungry-looking man grinned. There it is, he said. I was starting to wonder if I was still here. Miss Trixie, he added with an air of quiet desperation. Dom, she said with a smile. How are the wife and kids? Dom swore quietly but audibly under his breath. We haven't seen you two since the thing with the girl, he said. Sabian's raised eyebrow asked many questions all at once, and I wondered how I could get mine to reply that they should mind their own business. I thought that came out all right, I said, knowing full well that it had. She was safe. Mike seemed pleased. Yeah, you did good, Dom said, lighting a cigarette with a wooden match. That doesn't give you clubhouse privileges, especially not with your choice of guests. I was wondering if maybe Mike was in. I asked, making this up as I went along. Or Dutch. Either one. Dom breathed out smoke through both nostrils. Sure, Jack, he said. But Pat is in there with them. Pat? Sabian frowned. Pat Delaney? No, Pat Boone. Trixie rolled her eyes. That's cute when you say it, Dom said, picking up a house phone and dialing the back room. Only Pat won't think so, so maybe don't. Three minutes later, we were being escorted into the inner sanctum, such as it was. You are stealing my thunder, you know that? Sabian asked as quietly as he ever asked anything. What are we doing? We're pitching a deal, I said as if I knew what was going to happen next, which I did not. What deal? hissed Sabian. I'll tell you when I think one up, I admitted. What happens if they don't bite, Trixie asked, probably for Sabian's benefit because she knew the answer. 
We say thank you very much and leave quickly and quietly, I said, and maybe get shot anyway. If there is a breed of mankind that has more of a flair for the theatrical with less of a sense of his own absurdity, it was the American gangster of Celtic descent. Pat Delaney sat on a chair so gaudy it may as well have been a throne, surrounded by his soldiers like a pharaoh of old. He looked stern, but a hard smile played about his lips. Jack Justice, Miss Dixon, he said approvingly. Mike tells me he approves of you. He says you have nice judgment and good self-preservation skills. We're flattered by that, Mr. Delaney, I said. Trixie said nothing, perhaps out of a keen instinct that this was not the moment for sassy banter. Pat frowned. But then you show up at my door with a police lieutenant in tow, and I am forced to wonder about both points. Sabian looked like he wanted to take the reins of this conversation, but he held his water for the moment. Sir, if I may, I began in my most business-like fashion, if it helps to make everyone more comfortable, can I just say that nothing said in this room could possibly incriminate anyone, as my associate Miss Dixon and myself would be prepared to swear on a stack of Bibles that nothing was discussed here except baseball. Delaney smiled politely. You would commit perjury? he asked. Repeatedly, Trixie said, and with gusto. Delaney looked like he had something to say to that, but he just made a small gesture, suggesting that the terms were acceptable and that we might continue. There is a certain grace to a genuinely dangerous conversation, and they had brought out the best in me on more than one occasion. I hoped that this would be one of them. I do not know if you are familiar with Lieutenant Sabian. Lieutenant, this is- I know who this is, Sabian growled. What are you trying to do, Justice? I am attempting, gentlemen, I began, to clear up any number of misunderstandings before they occur and discover if there were not a path forward which is of the strongest mutual benefit. I had done this sort of thing before, but never tap dancing on two fronts at the same time. Are you selling something, Jack? Pat Delaney said, looking bored already. He's trying to be diplomatic, Sabian said, looking Delaney right in the eye when he spoke to him the way no one else dared to. And I don't think you have any more patience for it than I do. The air was heavy with expectation. Sabian did not appear to notice. They followed me down here in hopes of keeping me from getting my fool head blown off by some of your tame bulls out front. You misunderstand the situation, Mr. Sabian, Delaney hissed. My organization employs no police officers. That's true, yeah. Sabian put his hands on his hips in a way that made some of the trigger men nervous, but he didn't seem to feel it. There's always some hanging around, sure, running errands for favors or drinks or what have you, but you don't use them like soldiers, and I think it's because you're too smart to trust them. Delaney smiled a genuine smile for the first time, maybe ever. A man who will change teams is not the man for me, he said. Or me, Sabian agreed. I'm not after you, Delaney. Not you or any part of yours. It is my understanding that you aim to clean up the dirty cops, Delaney said as if he had heard it at his gentleman's club and not really paid attention. Internal affairs, Sabian corrected. They've gone south, maybe all of them. The commissioner thinks that sounds bad. I think it sounds expensive. I think it sounds like only a handful of outfits in town could afford that many bent cops, and I think you're the one guy who could afford it who wouldn't want it if he could have it. Then I am puzzled as to what brings you to my door, Delaney frowned. If somebody is paying IA, they must be making more money than they're spending on the deal, Sabian said, looking jovial. Covering up every other cop working for every other outfit in town. Seems to me that losing that sort of operation would be a big blow for an organization. Not to mention all the weasels cutting deals after the fall. Could open up a lot of opportunities for a smart player like yourself. Delaney sat forward in his throne. 
Are you suggesting that I could benefit from handing over evidence that I somehow have accumulated against your internal affairs unit to you? No leaks during the investigation. Whole thing goes right to the DA and only one guy who knew it was coming and ready to step in, and he's you. Sabian smiled. Delaney sat back in his chair. Don't think we can do business like that, Sabian, he said with a shake of his head. I don't like you and I don't trust you. Sabian shrugged. I always said you were the smart one, he said. No hard feelings. Those plugs in your front room may not be cops anymore when I'm done, but otherwise, you won't even feel it. Thanks for the use of the hall. He turned and walked out, graceful as a Sherman tank. The girl detective and I exchanged a look and followed, like good hired goons should. Two minutes later, we were outside again. Well, Sabian was thoughtful, it was worth a try. And it was kind of fun, doing things your way for once. Trixie looked over her shoulder and found the coast clear. How long do you think it takes before the mysterious bundle of evidence appears at your door? You're crazy, Sabian scorned. By the end of the day, I insisted. Word will get out about your meeting and Delaney can't have that. I would stay near your desk for the afternoon. The faster you clean house, the better it'll be for all around. Stark raving, Sabian shook his head. Both of you! He opened his door and paused. Listen... Thanks anyway, huh? And then he was gone. But he was wrong, as it turns out. At ten to five, six fat folders were delivered to the big man at robbery homicide with enough carefully and anonymously amassed evidence to send every man in the department to Siberia if anyone had the mind to. No task force, no year-long investigation, no just desserts for Sabian, just a blitzkrieg of law and order, a ton of arrests, and some open doors for the Delaney mob that nobody needed to know about. And as it turns out, the rank and file thought Sabian was a hero, not a rat. The only thing they liked less than a rat was internal affairs in the first place. The commissioner promoted him right enough, and then the indictment started pouring down like water, and the mayor got in on the act and promoted him again, all the way to deputy inspector. Sabian thought about his 30 days and wondered if maybe he couldn't hold off just a little longer, just to feel like he earned that sweet, sweet pension. So maybe there was some just dessert after all. And the girl detective and I? Well, we didn't get paid, but we did have a favorite cop to kick around a little while longer. And maybe we even deserved it too. Just a little. You have been listening to the Casebook of Justice in Dixon. The Case of the Just Desserts, written by Greg Taylor and read by Andrea Lyons and Greg Taylor for the Dakota Ring Theater podcast. New content creation is powered by Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash g-r-e-g-g-t-a-y-l-o-r or look for the links in the show listing. Dakota Ring Theater. The sound of adventure. Thank you for listening to Thursday Thrillers right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase bringing you the very newest in audio releases from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. 
listening and imagining together.